It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you this Thursday. And we want to thank everyone for tuning in this afternoon. Of course, you can reach us and get in touch with us at 251-694-1055. Or you can reach out to us in the app as well. We love to correspond with you in the app. We have a busy Thursday afternoon and evening plan for you. 3.30, Jim Nagy, executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, will be joining us to talk about their big-time Hall of Fame induction going on this weekend. And Lindsey Crosby at 4 o'clock. NBA World Champion and NBA Experience. And, of course, from 5 to 6, we have the Tide and Tiger Report, Luke Robinson, talking the Alabama Crimson Tide and Cole Pinkston talking the Auburn Tigers. So a jam-packed draft day edition here of the final drive. A lot going on. Michael Brauner, how's it going this afternoon? Very well. We got a big show planned today. So, you know, that's that's always fun. Always fun to have an action-packed show in front of you and for our listeners and Things we'll be talking today, of course, we have our star recruit coming in and joining Nate Oates. As a matter of fact, he reclassifies to join Nate Oates and the Crimson Tide staff. Of course, it's draft day. Plenty going on with the draft. We'll talk Deion Sanders. He's back in the news again. And Will Wade from his LSU days. We'll talk about what the NCAA had to say and kind of putting the hammer down on the show cause investigation into his time as the LSU men's basketball coach. But of course, tonight it's draft night and the pieces of the puzzle have already started to move prior to tonight's seven o'clock NBA draft. And we'll start off by what just happened this afternoon. Of course, the Golden State Warriors, we know, decided that he's going to test the free agency waters. But when you bring in Chris Paul, that's right, CP3 will be joining the Golden State Warriors. I think that CP3 going to the Golden State Warriors not only makes Steph Curry a lot happier, it makes the Golden State Warriors a very, very good contender. Michael Bronner, when you start looking at what they had to give up, giving up Jordan Poole, yeah, possibly Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, and Draymond Green, 
If that's the Golden State Warriors starting five, even though they're aging, I still think that they can be contenders in the West for sure. Yeah, you didn't really see that one coming. Chris Paul to the Warriors feels like a bit of an odd fit, but I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll work out. I uh, didn't really see that one coming at all. I thought maybe uh, Boston would be it would be a good fit, especially after moving on from Marcus Smart last night in the Porzingis trade. But yeah, I mean we'll we'll see what happens. I think Chris Paul has kind of expressed a desire to stay on the West Coast as well. So you know, good for him that it worked out that way. Well, and tonight, you know, Brandon Miller trying to make history with being the number two pick, which will be the highest pick ever by an Alabama Crimson Tide member. But yesterday, when you look at Porzingis' trade, I, I was a little pleased. Now, when John Morant comes back, it'll be beneficial to the Grizzlies. But you would have to yeah. think Marcus Smart, he didn't want to leave the Celtics. I mean, to me, I know you have Tatum and Brown with the Celtics, but Marcus Smart, to me, was kind of that glue. And he was a vocal leader, so... The Celtics giving up Marcus Smart going to the Grizzlies and Washington receiving Tyus Jones from the Grizzlies. That that was a little shocker there. I mean, I know in order to get Porzingis, you had to give up something, but I don't think it would be Smart. Yeah, I think uh, Smart was pretty devastated over it, too. I don't think he ever won. He's leave Boston, and I, I get why. It seems to love it there, but... Is who's is on that front. He's moving to Memphis. So that locker room and that the anchor of that defense for a while, but it's also a team that has fallen short of a championship, you know, for the better part of the last decade now. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I think a lot of Boston fans are upset to move on from Smart, but it is what it is. Now I, I will say this too. I know that you, you the Wizards initially got CP3 right, and now CP3 is. Once he clears waivers, he's going to wind up being a Golden State Warriors. But the the Phoenix Suns and their new owner slash consultant Isaiah Thomas as well, right? They must they must really really, really six second round picks and four first round picks, a total of ten picks for Bradley Beal. If Bradley Beal doesn't win a world championship with Kevin Durant along with Devin Booker next year, you're really on the short end of that stick in regards to how you're trading unless you're finding a way in the future to get those right. trades back with another team. But 10 picks for Bradley Beal? I'll tell you right now, they're, uh, they're not going to win a championship. <laughs> I don't know. Do you think they are? I, I don't no, know I, I really don't think they're going to win a championship. Uh, but you know, we said this the other day. It's like, what other choice do you have? You've already but KD. You might as well keep digging that hole that you're in. So, it, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. But I don't think they're, they're all in, though. You, you have to be all in in order to give up 10 total picks, whether it be first or second rounders. I, I've never heard of such in regards to giving up that much for selections and, and that part is unreal to me when I saw that what they wound up giving up now you know the Wizards they're a franchise that can build off of 10 picks that are scattered out from 2023 all the way to 2030 so about it yesterday 
And today, I think you're going to continue to see moving pieces of the puzzle. Now, one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle that I don't think is going to be moved until the NBA draft is over is Zion Williamson. Because there's a lot of teams that would love to have Zion Williamson on their roster. Regardless of what you say about his health, and apparently he's having problems with the New Orleans organization in regards to questions there for Zion. But I think that with those distractions, you know, they're, they're going to follow him as well. The question is with him being healthy, if he's healthy, he and Brandon Ingram, can a healthy Zion and Brandon make some noise for the New Orleans Pelicans? Or do you go ahead and say, you know what? After the draft, we're just going to unload Zion. We want Brandon Ingram to be our franchise guy, and we're going to move forward and build around Brandon. Yeah, it depends what you define as some noise. Like same thing, they they can't win the West. So I, I don't know. I, I I'm kind of in the move Zion camp because if it's a disaster again, and you know he plays 30 games again this season, you kind of miss the boat. In terms of any trade value, like any value he has is is right now, uh, just because of that, you know, potential. Obviously, there's a question mark there, but another, you know, no one doubts the potential of what kind of player for more than half the season. And there's at that point, no no one's giving up a haul for him right now. You know, you can move up probably into the top five if you get. I I know they're not trading him tonight, so you know it it would be probably in another package after the draft and as for what that would be I'm, I'm not exactly sure but yeah I, I'm I'd say I'm in the Pelican should move on from Zion I, I, I've kind of seen enough I, I don't know you know with him coming in to the team you, you know for a fact that he was going to have an opportunity to be that guy CJ McCollum's not too bad of a guard himself I love Herb Jones but if it's going to move on from Kyra Lewis Jr. is that guy who can be explosive at times. I just know that Pelicans and Zion so far, that but experiment initially saw sell out Smoothie Kings for Zion. If you're a Pelicans fan, if you're local, of course you do. Because it, it's what, three hours from Mobile. It's a great drive. You're able to see someone who was considered one of the, the greatest and most powerful college basketball players of all time, but has it equated to, to him being one of the best college basketball players within the last 10 years to seeing the results that the Pelicans would ultimately like to see? And what value do you get for Zion? Same thing with Portland, because that's been the buzz too with yep. Dame Lillard. I don't think Portland is going to trade Dame Lillard. I don't think Dame Lillard wants to be traded. He, he said he's fine with playing in the small market Portland. He has no problem with Portland. They've gone through coaching changes, and that was the biggest thing going through coaching changes. With those coaching changes, would he continue to want to be part of that franchise? And he said absolutely he wants to be part of that franchise. So we're going to the Hornets, and I just think you get too much – of the same type of variety in ball and scoot. I, I just don't – why would you do that? Now, Michael Jordan, is again, he's going to be ultimately the decision maker on his way out of the door. And have, have has his decisions been wise? No, probably not. But <laughs> as far as getting a 6'9 
assassin from beyond the arc and the versatility that Brandon Miller can bring your, your organization and franchise. I, I just don't see how you pass on Brandon Miller at number two. So I tend to agree. All right. I'll ask over the past couple of weeks, but is Noah Clowney going top 20 tonight? No, Noah Clowney's not going to be a top 20 player. Now I know, it's kind of all over the place. I've seen him as high as like 15, and I've seen him as low as like 25. I, I think he's going to be a first-round selection. Oh, I, that, there's no doubt about that. And, and I will. I know that you know you've had several green room invites. You don't. You don't want to be that that last person sitting in the green room. You can ask Will Levis how, how that feels. I mean, day two of the draft, having an opportunity to go back and be scrutinized even more. Yeah. There is no day two of the NBA draft. So it, it's over and done with tonight. But I, I think that Brandon Miller goes to does have two guys in the green room. That's very special for this program. And it's something that Auburn kind of was able to hang its hat on with their two first-round draft picks a year ago. Same thing here. I think that your programs here in the state of Alabama, that's what you want. You you want quality basketball players in this program because you know that means that you're winning games and that you have and are recruiting well. And not only are you recruiting well, that's higher visibility for your program across the country. And I know I was watching outside the lines earlier today, and, of course, the Brandon Miller gun situation came up and, and it's going to continue to come up until his name is called at two or at three but I really see Miller going to the Hornets yet because there was a lot of rumors around that and it hasn't happened so if Scoot were to go two, I don't know if that means Miller goes to Portland or somewhere else I don't know there's a, there's a lot to be figured out tonight the final drive here on WNSP 105.5 full packed show today we'll talk a little bit about nate oats and restocking the shelves there anytime you can get a five-star athlete into your program i don't care if it's football i don't care if it's basketball especially when it's bama basketball and having the young man to reclassify we'll dive into that next here on the final drive on wnsp 105.5 Hi, I'm Bobby Humphrey, and when I'm in Mobile, I'm listening to WNSP FM 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with my producer, Michael Broder, joining you this Thursday afternoon. You can always get in touch with us at 651 694 or you can jump on the app to join the discussion that we're you there, St. David? St. David. We lost St. David. St. David, try hanging up and calling us right back again. Apparently, we're having problems with our connections there, trying to get in touch with St. David. But Alabama and Nate Oates able to go ahead and go into the backyard of the North Carolina Tar Heels and take one and pick pluck one away from Hubert Davis. Alabama was able to sign Jaron Stevenson, six foot ten, out of Pittsburgh, North Carolina. And he was 
the number 19 player in the class of 23 getting ready to be on campus for Nate Oates. And you're, you're starting to see more and more of this by high school athletes in any sport. Not sure. saying that I like it because I really don't. But at the same time, it's not me who's making the decision. If you think it's best for you and your family, by all means, do what's best for you and your family. I just know you only have one opportunity to go to your senior prom. You only have one opportunity to enjoy high school. And if you're able to reclassify due to credits or grades or whatever have you, by all means, go, go do what's best for yourself. And that's exactly what this young man has decided to do, join Happy with the departure of Clowney and the departure of Miller and the departure of Bediaco. And then you just have your regular graduation. Bronner, I know that if you were to say that Nate Oates was able to go ahead and restock, I'm not going to say reload because I'm going to have to see how they play together. But it's sure losing three assistant coaches on top of the talent that he lost off of this roster. And with what he does have returning in the backcourt, he has to be pretty happy. Yeah, what Nate Oates has done this offseason has been nothing short of incredible. Uh, it, it, it has been unbelievable. I mean, you have the unprecedented loss of three assistant coaches, rumors of another being on staff but not being officially hired, but Clonch and Pannon are the only two that have been officially hired and officially recognized as assistant coaches. Uh, so you, that's that's the first hurdle. You knew you were going to lose Miller and Clowney throughout the season, and then you you you're get hit with the surprise of losing Bediaco. You have to pivot, start recruiting big men. You're already bringing back one of the better front backcourts in the country, and then to bring in Grant Nelson, and then Jaron Stevenson. Man, with Stevenson, it came down to the fact that he was either going to go to UNC if he was going to stay in the 2024 class, and if he wanted to reclassify, he was going to go to Alabama. And this is a kid in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, North Carolina, by all accounts. That's like, that's Tar Heels country. Nate Oates went into UNC's backyard, a true blue blood program, pulled this top 20 recruit from the 2024 class, convinced him to come play for Alabama in 2023. Weeks ago, when Betty Ako announced, you know, the surprise staying in the draft pool, to what I think this team is capable of now, it, it really is night and day. Let me say this, though. Potential is poison. It may not be rat poison, it's but better potential th it's, it's is It's better poison. than what they had. It is better than what they had. But what's going to happen, Michael, is your expectations are going to go to another level. Alabama, but just because he has a four-star next to him, right? Five. And then Alabama doesn't succeed. Then you're going to be like, well, they got all this talent. They didn't do anything with it. And now the cupboard was bare, and now it's not. See, so in that situation. Well, they're not going to win 31 games. I, I don't think anyone expects that. I'm not saying they're going to be ranked number one in the country, Michael. But be happy I'm when not you're sitting able here to, saying to that. bite off of that cheese. When that rat gets a piece of that cheese <laughs> without getting hit by the trap and is able to steal the cheese out of the trap, that's a great thing, okay, for the rat. But in this situation now, okay, Alabama was able to get a four-star. Five. Or I almost say a four-star because, again, he's a year behind. Because now, physically, yes, he's 6'10". But does that translate to being able to be in Alabama's rotation immediately? The yes. Kid, the kid's no. going to start this year. Okay, so let me ask you this. With starting someone that young because he's again supposed to be a 2024 prospect 
You're, you're asking a hell of a lot, Michael Brauner, from an 18-year-old, but that's not Brandon Miller to come out and be that productive now. And the team's not going to be historically good, win 31 games, number one seed. I'm not expecting any of that. But Alabama has set themselves up in a spot where they can compete to defend their SEC title, something that did not seem possible three weeks ago. I'm just amazed at what Nate Oates has been able to do, what he's been able to replace and again, there's yeah, we'll see we'll see how they look when uh when they actually take the court. But it looks a heck of a lot better now than it did 3 weeks ago, doesn't it? It absolutely is better. Without question, it is better. Anytime you're able to get a 4 or a 5-star athlete on campus and to sign with you, that's that's moving in the right direction. And I think again, you'll see Alabama basketball move the needle tonight for certain with Brandon Miller and Noah Clowney for year, and that's all beneficial for Nathan and his program moving forward and all the reason why even us no recruits will want to continue in regular season SEC champions. Yes, you are the defending SEC champions, and you were a number one seed. Will you be that again next year? Probably not. Will you be better than expected a month and a half ago? Absolutely. You will be. I, I don't think that that is disputable. And what is not disputable is the fact that the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy, scheduled to join us next here on the final drive to talk about the Hall of Fame inductions that the Senior Bowl has going on this weekend. From Hi, everybody. Jennifer Hale here from the NFL on Fox listening to 105.5 WNSP in Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you this Thursday afternoon. And we would love to welcome in the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Jim Nagy joins us this afternoon. Jim, how's it going, my friend? All's good, Corey. Good, uh, good to be on with you and Michael. Always a pleasure to catch up and talk with you. And, and there's a lot of great things that the Senior Bowl does. 365, not just during the game. Of course, that's what brings a lot of attention. Cut this weekend, Hall of Fame, and to talk a little bit about the inductees that are going to be recognized this weekend by the Reese's Senior Bowl. Yeah, absolutely, Corey. No, thanks for thanks for saying that. No, it's been a, a really fun few years. So this is year three of moving the Hall of Fame to the summertime and pairing it with this charity golf event that we do, which, uh, you know, I know you do so much great work in the community with the local high schools, and, and you know, we, we're really vested in that area too. And, and that's what the charity golf is all about, is raising money for, uh, you know, our kind of our underfunded public school football programs in the area. And Last year, there were 13 uh, local high schools that, that got a check for $5,000 to uh, really apply to whatever they, whatever needs they have. Um, that could be on-field equipment, that could be player equipment, that could be technology, whatever it might be, we want to be there to uh, assist. So that's why we are, we're really fired up for Monday. And that, well, the Hall of Fame, excited, excited to honor our guys, but, but really the Monday with the golf. and the, the Absolutely. And when you look at the 2023 Hall of Fame inductees, I know Chris Johnson the former running back for the Tennessee Titans was one of those players that really kind of not thought about 
enough when you look about the running back position because now running backs are, are kind of undervalued. But when he played and set NFL records rushing for over 2,000 yards, that, that type of thing was special and a momentous occasion. And to be honored not only as a Tennessee Titan but as a former Reese's Senior Bowl player, it's great backs for the last 20 years. Obviously, people think uh, Barry Sanders and Emmett Smith and Adrian Peterson and guys like that. But, you know, Chris is a guy, when you look at his career accomplishments, it's, it's pretty amazing what he's able to do. Um, I think everyone knows, you know, Chris's calling card was speed. He, uh, he set the combine record. His year ran 4-2-4. Um, you know, he's on the cover of the Madden game. You know, the, the CJ2K was his nickname when he ran for the 2,000 yards. But, like, his resume, there's only, only been eight players run for 2,000 yards. Um, he's the only guy in NFL history with, with four touchdown runs of 85 yards or more in a single season. And he's, he did it twice. Uh, he's the only guy in league history that has a touchdown run of 50 yards, 60 yards, and 90 yards in a single game. So there's just there's, there's uh, a lot of firsts. And when you look at where he's at on the under rushing list, he, he sits at 35 overall. Um, he is right ahead of Sean Alexander, who everyone definitely appreciates. What a great player. He's right ahead of Sean, and he's right ahead of, uh, you know, the Houston Oilers legend Earl Campbell. So, uh, no, Chris had a phenomenal career, and he was really only a one-year starter in East Carolina. So he, he needed the Senior Bowl and uh, had a big week down here and ended up going in the first round. Brian Westbrook, Jim, if I'm not mistaken, because I was looking this up when uh, when we were talking about Jameer Gibbs preseason, I think he's the last running back to have a 1,000 and a 1,000 at Villanova in his last year there. Talk about him for a second and what he meant to Philadelphia. Yeah, I think Brian Westbrook, Michael, that's a good point with, with the with the Gibbs thing. You know, I think Westbrook was before his time. Um, he's really one of, the, one of the first guys that was a true threat out of the backfield, a true three-down back. Um, Got to be fun to watch him in today's football with some of these, some of the creativity that these offensive coordinators have. Um, just lining them up in the slot and doing some of the things that Saints fans see they do, you know, see them do with Elvin Kamara. For uh, but yeah, you said a thousand yards rushing and receiving that last year at Villanova. James at Villanova, something insane. Uh, one of the best college careers of all time. He's actually going in uh, the College Football Hall of Fame in, in December. So this will be his only. Hall of Fame induction. He's already in the Philadelphia Eagles Hall of Fame. Uh, and again, he had one monster year where he, he led the entire league in, in yards from scrimmage, uh, rushing and receiving. It was first team all pro. I, I want to say that year was 2007. But uh, yeah, great, great player. You know, I, I don't want to take anything away from the other three inductees. You, you have Lane Johnson, another Philadelphia Eagle, going in along with Clay Matthews and Marshall Yonda, I, I think Damian Pierce, Christian Watson, and Tariq Woolen. I, I, I like the fact that you're also able to get those who are most currently coming out of the game to bring them right back into the fold also. Yeah, it's fun having the active guys. Um, you know, especially for our, our younger crowd, a lot of people will bring their, their kids to the uh, Hall of Fame induction. So to have have a guy like Damian Pierce, uh, the running back from the Houston Texans, who had such a phenomenal year last year for Houston. The guy, he, he fell just short of a year for Houston. So um, one of our favorite guys we had last year in Mobile, like he was Mr. Energy all week. Uh, so we know he's going he's gonna to be great down here again. He's excited to get back. Um, so, yeah, I think, it, I think it's a cool element, bringing the rookies back and, and uh, getting them here the year, after the, the, the year after they were here to play in the game. 
One of the great things, too, Jim, is when you look at the OTAs for teams ending and those rookies who called Senior Bowl home, having an opportunity to kind of present themselves and show themselves as to why they were worthy of being drafted and coming to the Reese's Senior Bowl. I know it's fun to to see the OTAs conclude and, and to hear all of the hype generating going into July and August before we have preseason. It'll change once we get to August and they, they throw the pads on. But but no, it is. It's, it's fun to track those guys. And especially just, I mean, there's a lot of media reports out there too, but it's fun to, to check in with, with friends around the NFL and get the real scoop from what's, well, you know, what the feeling is in the building about a player. And again, this time of year for the NFL teams, it's, it's just as important what's going on in the meeting room um, and in the building as it is out on the practice field because um, you, know, you see it time and time again. Guys are physically ready to play as pros, but they're not ready mentally. They, you know, it's how quickly they can pick up the offense or the defense and they can actually get out there. So, no, this, this is a fun time of year, um, and they're all getting ready. They're all taking off and going on summer vacation now. And then you know, this is the time of year where, where all the NFL guys, all the head coaches and, and whole front office guys that kind of, they hold their don't get fat and fat and content over the uh, summer. They come back in good shape and ready to go in August. Talking to Jim Nagy, executive director of the Senior Bowl Hall of Fame ceremony on Sunday, charity golf tournament on Monday. Who's going to be the best golfer out there on Monday, Jim? Uh, my money would be on Peter Burns from the SEC Network. So we're going to have basically the whole SEC Network crew out there, Roman Harper, um, Jacob Hester, Peter Burns. There's going to be a bunch of the SEC, Cole Kublik. Um, but Peter Burns played college golf, so my money's on him. I think he he played college golf at UTSA, and he, he's from he's from Baton Rouge. Uh, he's a huge LSU guy. Like if you watch the LSU, or if you're on Twitter, you know I would guess in terms of the overview of the golf game, it'd be hard to go against a guy that was a college golfer. Uh, without question, there. I I just love the fact that all these alums that come back and, and you have celebrities that love to not only gather and golf with one another just have a wonderful time fellowship and you mentioned the great cause just giving back to the community and, and that's really been a focus since you've taken over as executive director just plugging in to so many different schools and so many different head coaches and seeing hashtag the draft truly starts in mobile i know you bring in high school athletes weekly and monthly and at the end of the year you have a basically your senior bowl ambassadors coming out of high school that hopefully will one day have an opportunity to play in the game. And when those guys are able to see during senior bowl three or four years later and say, yeah, I, I, I got a great experience from Jim Nagy and the Reese's senior bowl. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's a mistake. Um, I don't think it's a mistake that we've got the most NFL players per capita of any community in the country. I, I think there's something tangible, um, for these, for the kids that grow up in our community, to see these guys, to see guys that came from their area, making guys that that look like them and and talk like them and act like them, that come to Mobile, that are getting ready to go to the NFL. It just gives it gives them, it makes it more. It, to me, I think it might make it more. I'm here in Mobile was part of our scout school uh, that we did here a few weeks ago in Mobile, and and he talked about it. We talked about it openly in the room and and, and why, you know, how much the game means to the Mobile community. And I, I do. I think it's great bringing. 
bringing, bringing, having the game here in town so our, our local young kids and our high school guys can, can actually see it, you know, and it, it makes it real for them. It's not just some pipe dream. They can actually see these guys going off to the next level. So, yeah, I heard you guys on the show yesterday talking about the, the uh, Mobile class of 2025 and Ryan Williams and all the, the guys, K.J. Lacey and all the guys coming from the area that are going to be big-time players. Um, hopefully that's the next wave, man. Hopefully, hopefully those guys will end up back here in Mobile in a few years. No question about it. I know, I know you're, you're a Michigan man, too, and, and so much is about swag. You know, players nowadays, it, it's about the look and the freshness and the crispness, and I know you guys stay on top of that swag gear. I want to get your thoughts on the Lions. Detroit Lions unveiling their classic by the Detroit Lions for their alternate unis. You know, I love the. They went old school on the logo, like way old school, like retro back to the 1950s and 60s. The logo my dad grew up with. So I do like that. They put it on like a really metallic blue helmet. I don't know if I love that. Um, but I love they went with. They didn't just throw it back to like the 80s. They threw it back to the, the 50s and 60s, which which I think is, which is, is awesome. I haven't seen the whole uniform. I did see the helmet. Um, it's a cool change-up. It's going to be fun. It's these alternate helmets and alternate uniform combinations this year. That'll, that'll add something to the NFL season. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I'm really excited to – anytime you get a chance to see alternate unities and combos, whether you, whether you hate them, like them, it's just a situation players normally go nuts over it, uh, whether it's high school, collegiately, or in the pros. And, you know, Jim, you've been such a pro with the way you've handled – your job here in Mobile, Alabama, as executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, and for those that are looking, is it is it open to the public? Is it closed to the public? I know I've been asked that a lot in regards to the Celebrity Golf Challenge on Monday, and also a refresher of anything else that's coming down the pipe with the Senior Bowl on the calendar. Yeah, so. Um the Hall of Fame event is a ticketed event. They can go on SeniorBowl.com and get tickets to that. Um, the golf course is – no, and then the next thing we're getting ready for is our flag football league. Um, we're going to break here after those two events and recharge the batteries a little bit. But I think we're going on like year 11 or 12 or 13 of our, of our Senior Bowl flag league, which we have out at South Alabama. A uh, really fun league. i got to give a lot of credit to Kane Womack and his players. They're, they're the referees for our league. Um, and it's an NFL flag league, so the, the, the kids all love wearing the NFL gear and all that. But uh, so you'll be seeing signs up. We're going to have plenty of uh, plenty of signage around Mobile for uh, flag football signups here in, in July and August, and we're we're looking forward to another fun year of that. And then you know we're going to be back SEC Media Days, football cranking up. We're going to put out our watch list in August. So um, before you know it, the college football season will be here. But uh, I'm excited for the flipping league. I hope we, uh, you know, we were at about 150 funds in the community uh, last year. We can get those numbers up. And uh, the way with the flag football to go ahead and encourage, because there's a lot of parents that don't want their children playing contact football until middle school, seventh, eighth grade, to where their body is physically matured. So flag football is a new, innovating, and exciting way to, to teach the fundamentals and, and to go out there and enjoy the fun with your friends and still be competitive. Put those cleats on, the shorts, the NFL apparel that you guys provide from a jersey standpoint and be named after an NFL franchise, Jim. I love watching the kids play. I know my son came through that league. He really enjoyed playing the flag for each and look forward to continuing to watch the youth participate in that and look forward to seeing you this Sunday as the Senior Bowl Hall of Fame 
induction ceremony will be taking place. Thank you so much for your time, Jim, as always. And again, take care. Yeah, Michael Corey, look forward to uh, seeing you on Sunday. Molly will take care of you. Whoever you, uh, whoever you need to get with, we'll, we'll, uh, We'll get with Molly. We'll make sure we get those players to you. So thanks for coming out on Sunday. We'll see you out there. Absolutely. Jim Nagy, Executive Director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, joining us this afternoon here on the final drive. We'll be right back. I'm Laura Rutledge with ESPN. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Keep it right here for the best sports information in Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive. Want to thank Jim Nagy, executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, for joining us this afternoon. And of course, Sunday, the Senior Bowl Hall of Fame induction going down, and a lot of great ambassadors, both past and within last year's game as well, 2022 game that that made a difference in their rookie seasons coming to be inducted. Or in a, joining us and at four of these in former NBA work, we have in Jason Caffey, who has a lot of new ventures on his plate. We'll talk to Jason at 4.30, scheduled to join us. Of course, 5 and 5.30, the Tide and Tiger Report with Luke Robinson and Cole Pinkston covering it. And, of course, College World Series going down tonight. It's LSU Wake Forest Part 3. Man. It's kind of like when you have Creed Part 3. It's two heavyweights going at one another, and you look at what the scores were. Of course, LSU wins 5-2 to two last night, lost 3-2 to two on Monday night, and this is for a chance to have an all-SEC College World Series Had one last year. championship I mean, again. We'll talk to Lindsey Crosby about this, but I guarantee you, man, he, he's salivating over this. Paul Skeens for LSU, who's the best pitcher in the country. You got just uh, two aces on the mound and a winner-take-all. Winner goes to the championship series. It's, uh, it's great stuff tonight between LSU and Wake. Well, the Florida Gators sitting there waiting on the winner, and if you're Florida, you have an opportunity to be a little bit more rested because even on three days rest, you're looking at, all right, I have Thursday, Friday, and, of course, game not until Saturday between the Wake and LSU winner. It makes a big difference because when you're back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, once you lose that first game and you're in the double elimination tournament trying to stay alive, three games in three days, it's something that you're in the regular season, you just don't see. And even in the NCAA tournament, you have a day Saturday or a Friday, Sunday, and then if you're in the play-in game, you still go Monday playing in a play-in game or Tuesday, you still have at least 24 to 48 hours. But here in baseball, bang, bang, bang. So it, it creates complications for coaches, and they're having to get that lineup correct. And that's something that you normally don't see in baseball. So excited to see the matchup part three, LSU and Wake Forest. Again, Wake Forest trying to win its first college World Series since 1955. Joining us and 
Lindsey always does a phenomenal job when he jumps on here on the final drive. So look forward to speaking with Lindsey Crosby next here on the other side of this break. to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. It's NBA Draft Thursday evening, and there's been a lot of movement today and expect there to be much more movement here prior to the NBA Draft starting tonight. And, you know, before NBA players can realize their dreams, you, you, you have to be either playing college basketball or have had aspirations of playing collegiate ball. Sometimes you're good enough to go to the G League or sometimes you're good enough to sit out and go overseas and play for a year. But one thing's for sure, if you do play collegiate basketball, you must adhere to the CAA rules that are at the forefront of how things are run. And Will Wade, it was a situation where you can run, but you can't coach at McNeese State. And he gets a 10-game suspension for what the NCAA considers three level one violations when he was the head coach of the LSU Tigers. And because of this, the LSU program is not really the one suffering. It's, it's going to wind up being McNeese State. But McNeese State, when they hired Will Wade, that we knew that he was probably going to be put under show cause as well as on campus. And that makes it tough. I mean, but but if you're going to hire him and you know what the penalty is going to be, it, it, it's something that you are prepared to deal with. And McNeese State, right in the state of Louisiana, one in which Will Wade got in trouble with, was prepared to deal with it and are going to deal with it. Yeah, so I, I'm still a little bit confused as to exactly what the ramifications now are for McNeese. Like, and I know he got a two-year show call, so does that mean that McNeese has to hire a new coach? No, I, no, he's going to coach. Okay, so it, so is this two-year show call just for for show, or I like I I don't it, really exactly understand it, what it's that to means. where you, they can appeal it if they want to, but. This show cause was going to follow him whether he was at LSU, whether he was at McNeese. It doesn't matter. It means that, you know, there, there's no – and he might as well go ahead and kiss his entire career goodbye. But, but what was also interesting in this whole situation with LSU and possibly lack of institutional control, the fact that the football team also had to vacate 37 wins from the 2012 through the 2015 seasons. And during that time period, LSU, guess what? They went 0-4 versus the Crimson Tide. But Poetic. they did have wins against Florida and Auburn. But 
what what does vacated wins yeah. truly mean yeah, to I a program? I want to make a general point about that. It, it really is the most foolish thing ever. Like, you're going to tell a team, like, are you telling me the fans that were in the stands for those vacated wins that they didn't happen? Or, like, take Louisville in 2013 with uh, Rick Patino and those vacated wins. You're going to tell me? Like, what? it's just symbolic nonsense, vacating wins. Like, what, what does that really do? Uh, it, it it's it really is one of the more foolish things that the NCAA does. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna vacate these wins for you. What does that really mean? I it, it's so dumb, man. It really is the dumbest thing that the NCAA does. I I just don't understand where you 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 just you vacate wins and there's an asterisk next to it. Like, I mean, sure. I think they still won the game. Louisville, you 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 saw them win the national championship. Worst case scenario, what, what, you, you're going to make them vacate their national championship rings. Rick Patino, Rick Patino has a big tattoo of the banner on his back. You going to make him get the tattoo removed? And, and it I mean, happened. That's like, that's one the of game the happened. And the fact that they went to the final four. So I just don't know what that does for you. But having to vacate wins and having a show cause and sitting out the first ten games for Will Wade's misfortunes at LSU. Not quite sure how that hurts him necessarily, uh, but McNeese, they knew exactly what was going to happen with Will Wade when they hired him. They were willing to take that opportunity, that chance, and they lose an opportunity to go through NCAA live recruiting periods. And there's some other ramifications. Happy on with us next we're able to get in touch with jason that's great if not more of the final drive is still to come here on wnsp 105.5 my name is david palmer and i'm on wnfc 105 welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Bronner, joining you this Thursday afternoon. And, of course, we're on the eve of the NBA draft. And who better to talk to than my good friend Jason Cappy, who prepped at Davidson High School and went on to, to be a dominant player at the University of Alabama in the Crimson Tide and was a 1995 first-round draft pick, 20th overall by the Chicago Bulls and had an opportunity to win a world champion, my friend. Hey, Corey. Everything's fine, brother. Uh, pleasure to join you on your show. Man, always a pleasure to catch up with you and talk to you. And, of course, this afternoon and evening, there's been plenty of NBA draft talk. And one of the teams that you formerly played with, the Golden State Warriors made a little bit of noise today by picking up CP3. Chris Paul will now become a Golden State Warrior. And when you look at him being able to help out people like Steph and Clay Thompson and you put someone like Draymond Green possibly coming back, the Golden State Warriors are going to be a fun team to watch if CP3 can stay healthy with Clay and Steph. I actually spoke with Steve Kerr on, on Father's Day, a uh, good friend of mine, and he, he told me they had some things in the works, and I, I guess he pulled a rabbit out of the hat with this one. It really looks good. It, it, it's, it's not every day you have an opportunity 
to to play in the National Basketball Association. Of course, you coming from Davidson High School, playing for Bill Ryan, and then having an opportunity to go to Alabama and being successful there, and 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 hearing your name called on draft day. What what is the biggest part about the NBA draft process? It is the combines. Is it the draft day itself, is it not controlling where you're going to go and spend your career? Or what are the emotions like on draft day and leading up to draft day? Uh, oh, man. Uh, you're, you're on the edge somewhat because you don't really know where you're going to fall at. Uh, and you're blessed if Corey was just the fact that I, I wanted to be a professional basketball player since I was eight, nine years old. And uh, I put in the work from age 8 all the way up to age 21. So I worked for, what, 12, 13 years for free. And then to all of a sudden hear your name called one night and to know you're going to be an instant millionaire, uh, that's, that's a pretty exciting feeling. I've never had it duplicated uh, with anything else I've done in life. It's, it, it's got to be very special for you, Jason, just knowing – does it bring back any emotions going back to 1995, knowing that you were going to a, a championship franchise like Chicago? For so many people, when they hear their name, going to a franchise that pretty much sucks, Jason, to be honest with you. But when, when you have an opportunity to, to go to a world championship franchise and play for – the GOAT in Phil Jackson, I know that that just had to be an ultimate sigh of relief. And to have the success that you had, it was even better. Uh, it, it was a great deal for me. I'll tell you a quick story about it. In When I was at Davidson under Coach Ryan, uh, we got me, I'm sorry, 91, when Jordan was winning one of those first championships. And Coach Ryan and uh, – because uh, Tate Marsh, they went to the basketball game. And I'm the reason that we're in Chicago, so I'm a little ticked off because they ain't take me to see Jordan. But ironically, four years later, I get drafted by the Chicago Bulls and, and go right back to that city and win two world championships. So, man, that was a great experience. We're talking to Jason Caffey, Davidson former player, Alabama former player, former Chicago Bull. Jason, I want to ask you, you obviously played at Alabama under Wim Sanderson. Alabama's seen some success under Nate Oates that they haven't seen really since Wim Sanderson. I mean, Nate Oates is getting gone just in the league at an unprecedented rate. That's probably why you see him recruiting the way he is. I mean, just talk about what Nate Oates is doing for this program for a second. Excuse the reason. A little distorted. I only got about half the fire he had in him. I wanted to play for somebody that was fiery like that. Um, after he left, things weren't the same. Uh, we were under David Hobbs, and he did the best he could, but David was just a great assistant. I don't think he really <laughs> was uh, the best you know, head coach that you could possibly have there at the time. So things kind of spiraled down, downwards after that, but Alabama basketball has risen back up to the top under Nate Oates, and I'm proud of it. Well, that's what Michael was was saying before you couldn't hear him. He was saying the fact that Nate Oates has picked Alabama basketball up, taking it to heights that it has not seen since Wimp Sanderson and Alabama on yes and Stevenson, 6'10", power forward out of North Carolina. It doesn't happen too often, Jason, where Alabama can pick uh, right out of North Carolina and Hubert Davis's own backyard to where people are starting to choose Alabama basketball over North Carolina. I think it's the style of play that Nate Oates has. Uh, I think it's the excitement around Tuscaloosa and, and the fact that we have 
possibly the best team in football every year. And, and Nick Saban, it definitely doesn't hurt anything. Yeah, it's definitely that effect. I know my producer, he's from up north and around the New Jersey area. And, he, you know, he, he chose to become an Alabama Crimson Tide and Alabama you know, alum because of man, Nick Saban and the football team. So that just saves to show you and, you know, Michael, it was just a common fan. He's not one that signed for Nick Saban or signed for Sados. It's just Almost. the publicity that, that, that was received there. Not many people can say in your three career stops with the Bulls, the Warriors, and the Bucks, all became world champions. And, of course, the Bulls already becoming world champions. But the Warriors and Bucks you becoming part of those franchises, there's not eight or nine teams that you were bouncing around to. All have become world champions, the three that you were affiliated with. How does that feel knowing that you were affiliated with three franchises and are affiliated with three franchises that are world champions? I'm, I'm proud of my NBA career. Um, I'm proud of all three franchises. You might catch me on any given day rocking something from Golden State or the Bulls or Milwaukee Bucks. I, I represent all three teams. I don't just show favoritism towards one because I won the championship there. I'm proud that those teams, Golden State and Milwaukee, went on to do what they did. Well, you got a chance in your time in Alabama, and even prior to you being in Alabama, seeing some great young man tonight, Brandon Miller has an opportunity to make history at Alabama. One Antonio McDice was picked number two as well, I do believe. And Brandon Miller, if he stays at number two, he'll have an opportunity there to, to equal what Antonio McDice was able to duplicate or replicate there in the success there. But people have said that Brandon Miller, for a one-and-done type of player, is one of the best, if not the best, Alabama Crimson Tide player to ever put it on and suit up. I definitely feel like he's the best. Uh, you know, to come in as a freshman in Hollywood and, uh, this year, he's a very special player. Uh, definitely helps that he's 20 years old. Uh, a lot of people holding their kids back a couple of years of high school or whatnot and uh, before they let them go to college. And I, I'm not against that. I, I kind of like the concept there. It helps the kid mature and uh, become a better ball player by the time he, he hits the hardwood floor. And uh, Brandon Miller is just exemplified that he's, he's killing it. You know, what else can we say about that young man? Yeah, he's having a, a, the time of his life tonight to where, like you said, boost into great Michael Jordan. You played against Michael Jordan. And to me, Michael Jordan's always going to be considered the GOAT. And every player to each his own. But I don't know if you caught this or heard this or not. But Brandon Miller, he said Paul George was his GOAT. That's a pretty interesting take coming from a lottery pick, something you don't hear a lot of. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, Paul Paul is wicked with it. If you watch him, he's real smooth. He's a smooth operator. Same type game as Brandon. Likes to probe around the three-point line a lot. I take and um, hats off to Paul. He came back after that injury, and him, he's still killing it, for real, if he's healthy. Well, I would tell you this. I enjoyed watching you play growing up at Davidson. Loved watching you play for the Crimson Tide and even in your NBA career. And you've done so much to give back to the community with your camps and, and your clinics across the country. And I knew there there's some new ventures for Jason Caffey. And, you know, I want you to let everyone know what those new ventures are for Jason Caffey, a new step in your life. 
Well, uh, lately, uh, after being in Montgomery, working with the city of Montgomery on some uh, projects through a nonprofit, uh, I, I got to meet some great men over at Alabama State, uh, and uh, Doctor Day. Uh, they were interested in me being at Alabama State, and I was interested in being there. So uh, I'm taking summer courses now. I'm taking nine hours, and then I'm going to finish up in the fall and finalize my degree. And while I'm there, I'll be doing some consulting and uh, assistant coaching on the men's basketball team. I absolutely love the fact that you're still having an opportunity to be part of the game and mentor to young men. And we're speaking with Jason Cappy, who is the former Davidson Warrior, former Crimson Tide basketball player, and uh, always NBA world champion with the Chicago Bulls. And Jason taking it to that next step of coaching on the collegiate level, so as well as continuing school. So, you know, no matter who may listening to this or who may hear your goals and your vision and you know you can go to school and and have that forever education and kudos to you for doing that and being such a role model to those who are adult education learners thank you Corey. that means a lot coming from you my friend absolutely and and again alabama state will have an opportunity to see you come down here to mobile alabama as there's been the bridge builder classic that has been established here in mobile to where we celebrate hbcus coming down i know that we've had the great game last year between alabama state and alabama a&m played right at the mitchell center can walk in those sidelines as an assistant coach for asu I'm definitely looking forward um, to coming back, and, and at the top of my list is winning, and I uh, still want to do some things in the community. I uh, need to get with Mark Jackson down there at Kazula and have a HBCU fundraiser uh, during that time of year, so I'm going to throw him out there for that on live radio, and uh, we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Jason Caffey, you know, I can't thank you enough for always being so generous with your time, and it's always a pleasure to get a chance to talk with you and catch up with you, especially to talk about your time with the Crimson Tide as well as your time in the pros and giving us a great insight of what it's like for those draftees tonight inside that green room to hear their name called in the first and second round. And always wish you the best of wellness and health, my friend. Drive on WNSP 105.5. We'll be right back. This is CJ Mosley, inside linebacker, and you listen to the sport. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. And of course, it is NBA draft night to where we want to thank Jason Cathy for joining us and giving us great insight on what it means and feels like to be a first rounder. And one of the things that you can't control as to what franchise or organization drafts you. And you'll just go ahead and you'll, you'll be thankful to the man above for having an opportunity to, to play professional sports and continue that pro career that so many people envisioned and dreamed of. And like Jason said, working for free for so many years, putting that work in and probably spending more money until you're able to make that money. Clowny to really put Alabama basketball on the map and looking forward to seeing exactly how that goes down. And, you know, putting a program on the map 
is something that you knew for a fact that Deion Sanders was going to be able to do. And we spoke a little bit earlier in the week about him already having a couple of his toes removed when he was the head coach at Jackson State and not having an amputation. And but what has been known now is that he won't go through the foot amputation of his legs. And, you know, blood clots are something that'll kill you instantaneously. So I know Dion being a man of faith, it's something that he's really having to really rely on and think about for sure because, you know, being prime time and being that ultimate athlete that he is, I know in no way, shape, form, or fashion does he want to have to sit there and have his leg amputated. That will be his last thing on his mind for sure. And that's what you definitely don't want to have to happen to one of the greatest athletes of our time without question. And I just know that, you know, Dion being a man of faith, he, he'll what Dion does. But you have to respect the athlete that he was, whether it's with the Braves, whether it's with the Cowboys, whether it's with the 49ers, and the hype machine that is Deion Sanders. Because, you know, either you like him or you don't like him. There's really no in-between, but you can't argue with the notoriety that he brought to HBCUs, especially Jackson State, during his time there. Again, his time at Colorado in his first year, whether they win one game, whether they win four games, Deion Sanders is definitely a human publicity machine. And that's exactly what you get when you push him to Deion Sanders to the table. So you just hope those young men be able to be coached by Deion yeah. Sanders because that's ultimately who they're coming to play for. Yeah, man. Thoughts and thoughts and prayers to the guy. Um, it's just stuff you never want to read. You, you hope he's able to be on the sidelines with his guys this year. Obviously, you know, we've said we've gone back and forth about what we're hoping for for Colorado this year, but ultimately you want Deion Sanders to, to be out there and uh, and be able to find out. And, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of hype and excitement built around that program. You, you just hope the guy's healthy enough to be out there on the sidelines. And, you know, he's got a family, obviously. So uh, thoughts and prayers to Coach, Coach Prime. Also, big college basketball after winning that national championship with the UConn Huskies. So Dan Hurley will be around for a while with UConn in six years. 33 million will help with that. Of course, we have the NBA draft tonight, College World Series. There's been all type of trades going on in the NBA. Marty Smith even got a haircut with ESPN and Wimbenyama. Did you see that, Michael? No, you'll have to fill me in on that. Had it shaved into his head. So we'll have to put that up so everyone can see the Tide and Tiger Report. This is the Tide and Tiger Report on 105.5 FM WNSP. An hour of the latest news and reports from the Plains and the Capstone with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Brought to you by State Farm Agent Heath Parker and Dr. Chris Walton of Premier Medical Eye Group. Streaming live on the Sound of Mobile app, here are Corey and Michael. Welcome to our number three of the final drive, which 
just so happens to be the Titan Tiger Report here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LaFerty, along with my producer, Michael, give us honor joining you this evening. And we want to thank everyone for tuning in. Of course, you can give us a call at 1-694-055, or you can call and a nice little pulse for how things are are going out there in listening land as well. And someone I love listening to who has great knowledge on all things Alabama is our next guest here on the Tide and Tiger Report. Luke Robinson joins us. Luke, how's it going, my friend? Doing great. How are you guys today? Man, absolutely too blessed to be stressed, excited about tonight's opportunity for the two young men who will be sitting in the mini green room for and representing the University of Alabama, what many consider to be the greatest Alabama to do player of all time, Miller, from a one-year standpoint, joining him in the green room as well. What a great time for Alabama basketball. It really is. It's been a great week for Alabama basketball, and, and this could really cap it off, especially if Noah Clowney could sneak into the back end of the lottery. I don't think it will happen. But um, I, I think that some people will regret not doing it later on because he's such a great defender and he's so versatile. Uh, he's got to work on his shooting a little bit. But, um, you know, it's been a great week. Uh, you, you get a commitment from Jaron Stevenson uh, yesterday. They also announced the official uh, release of the schedule with Purdue in Toronto and Arizona and Phoenix. We already knew those were happening, but this this makes it official, puts a stamp on it. And then, of course, the draft tonight where Brandon Miller, will, where Bryce Young will be, who went number one overall. I think really any other year, uh, for the most part, Brandon Miller would probably go number one. But this Victor Wimbenyama, I think I'm saying that correctly, is such a freakazoid. He's got to go number one. I mean, you're seven five, and uh, you don't trip over yourself every time you take two steps. I mean, you're going to go number one in the NBA draft. He can. I was just listening to him talk about how he can stand flat-footed under the goal and uh, easily touch the rim. I mean, what are you going to do for that? You got you got to draft that number one. <clears throat> and um, but back to Miller, like you said, I mean, I think he's the best player in Alabama history. I've been for a while. I think Bryce Young's the best player in Alabama football history. So. Uh, pretty unbelievable to have both those guys uh, on with us at the same time. And Brandon Miller and do a lot for Alabama. And, and for him, the false narratives out there about his involvement in, in that tragedy back in January is, is and for him to come through that and, and still keep his poise and play as well as he did, it speaks volumes about his mental uh, capacity. Luke, uh, we're talking to Luke Robinson, Luke Don, Bama. Let's talk about the week it's been for Alabama basketball. You land Jaron Stevenson. Nate Oates goes into UNC's backyard, pulls a recruit from the 2024 class from him. I mean, what? what I, can't, I can't even put words into what Nate Oates is doing for this program. So that doesn't include tonight. Then uh, Virginia and North Carolina. Virginia had not any. And um, Alabama's had more than North Carolina has. So, Look, I'm not saying Alabama's a better program than North Carolina or anything like that. I'm saying there's a new age. I mean, you look around and uh, you, you see Alabama competing. They've won two SEC titles and two SEC basketball uh, tournament titles in the last three years. Okay, I, I talked to the Lockdown Arkansas host. He loves to point out, yeah, but y'all can't get past the Sweet 16. Well, I'm, I'm really okay with that. I would not trade my Alabama status 
uh, and what Alabama's done for what, say, Arkansas has done over the last three years. I wouldn't trade it at all. At all. I mean, Arkansas doesn't have an SEC title or a tournament title. They, they've uh, made it to the lead eight a few times, and I think that's awesome. But, uh, frankly, I, I like where Alabama sits. They're going to keep being there. I mean, when you get guys like Jaron Stevenson, Grant Nelson will eventually be Oh, shoot, Rylan Griffin, who's going to take a step up this year. Mark Sears coming back. JQ coming back. There's go- this is going to be another great year. And as long as you keep scheduling this way, where you schedule a Purdue with a Zach Eady, I mean, that's going to be a must-watch game for everybody. Grant Nelson against Zach Eady. I mean, that's just that's must-see basketball. In Toronto, then you talk about the game in Phoenix. You've got Ohio State and that game in, in Florida in that tournament. And uh, it's just a lot of fun that Nate Oates is putting out there. And then you, uh, next year you're even difficult games and makes it very fun so that they're uh, battle-tested a little bit later on. And look, hey, yeah, they did. They lost to the sweet, in the Sweet 16 this year, but they lost to the team that went and played for a national championship. And they, they also, one of their other few losses this year was the team that won the national championship. So I, I think Alabama has a lot to be proud about. We're speaking with Luke Robinson, host of Locked On Bama. And, Luke, we had Jason Caffey on moments ago talking about many notes and the comparison and the the drop-off when David Hobbs kind of took over. And he mentioned, he said, you know, David Hobbs was just that a great assistant coach, never a great head coach, not taking anything away from David Hobbs' coaching resume, but it is what it is. And, the excitement for Alabama basketball, of course, you look at Mark Godfrey making it to the Elite Eight, and that was a team that brought a lot of excitement to Alabama fans. But sustaining it has been the problem with Alabama basketball. And since Nate Oates has come along, that's what you've seen. You've seen, you mentioned moments ago about parity in college basketball or the shift of by the Bloods kind of, not really stepping up to the forefront and making everybody else a doormat. But Alabama, under NATO, has arrived full-time from a basketball standpoint. I don't think there's any doubt. Because they haven't been to the Final Four, people sort of brush them off. But they've got, uh, I think, the second most SEC tournament titles uh, behind Kentucky. And Kentucky's got some ridiculous lead and some ridiculous number. But, you know, Alabama, if you just take Kentucky out of the mix, which is saying a lot, then Alabama is right there uh, with everybody else. Now, they hadn't won a national championship. They hadn't been to a Final Four. But, again, I think if you keep recruiting like this, that's going to change. And all you can ask for is an opportunity every year. And Alabama has been going to the NCAA tournament uh, very uh, routinely now. They will go again next year. I have no doubt about that. And as long as you keep there and take your lumps maybe a little bit, on the front end, and you've got to sell having fun basketball. Look, uh, somebody like Brandon Miller, okay, he, he really did Alabama more of a favor than Alabama did him a favor when you're talking about the opportunity to play in college. Same thing with Jabari Smith at Auburn. Jabari Smith did more for Auburn than vice versa. There's no doubt about it because these kids don't have to – they would have been drafted very, very highly without college, but because there's this rule – they have to come. So when those kids come, you have to uh, capitalize on that as much as you can. And I think Auburn did it with Jabari Smith. I think Alabama did it with Brandon Miller. You know, they won their won the conference. Say, I think both of those teams did. And then Alabama also went to the Sweet Sixteen and won the tournament. So I mean, I think they capitalized on the opportunity. And you look around at somebody about in the summer, and Alabama's in the top 
they were in the top 20, or excuse me, top 25. Now they're in the top, you know, 15, 16, because people assume they're getting Grant Nelson. And this was before Jaron Stevenson committed. So it wouldn't shock me if Alabama moves into some people's top 10. Uh, I've seen Texas A&M in there. I've seen uh, uh, a couple of other SEC teams that aren't coming to mind right now for whatever, Tennessee, Arkansas. But you know who's not in there? Kentucky. Kentucky and then either one of them. And the reason is that they have so much turnover um, that finally some of this this type of turnover that John Calipari has always had, it finally may be catching up to him in a regard because what you have to do is when you have a new team just about every single year, you have to make sure that everybody you get is doesn't miss, that nobody can be a bust. And he started to have a few guys that really aren't as good as uh, so some of the other Anthony Davis or somebody like that. He's, um, you know, who's in the past, but he hadn't had one of those necessarily recently. And he, he, when you get to a point where you can't miss on your top two or three guys because you've got all new players, well, it makes it pretty difficult. And um, so now there is a sort of a changing of the guard. Kentucky's always going to be Kentucky. Kentucky's always going to be a problem. But, you know, when you think that Blue Bloods can't fall off a little bit, look at Indiana. I mean, Indiana's a pretty, pretty close uh, to Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke, et cetera, and they really haven't been a factor for a while. Uh, so you can fall off, and um, you've just got to always stay on top of it. And Nate Oates is doing a great job of getting Alabama message out there. Now, here's one other thing I'll throw in, and I know some basketball people may not agree with me. I'm a basketball I consider myself an Alabama basketball guy. But I think the Nick Saban of Nectar is helping out some. I mean, elevated the brand across the board. And so it's helped a guy like NATO, who also comes in very energetic. You can't be lazy about it. You've got to, again, you've got to be able to capitalize on that. But NATO does a marvelous job of that. I hope Alabama locks him up for as long as he can be here. Yeah, that's a fantastic point because we kind of talked about that earlier this week, Luke, and, and the comparisons that, that you make to, to Blue Bloods of college football as well. Alabama hit that drought. When you have a national championship in 92 and you don't see another one until 09, it's very similar to the same fate as a Nebraska football fan base or Notre Dame kind of had that opportunity to experience that. And you mentioned that, that Brandon Miller meant more to Alabama than, than anything and, and needed – Alabama needed him more. I agree with you, and I was watching a special today. I was not aware of this, and this is why another reason that that you really have to pull for Brandon Miller. His mother battling breast cancer, and she waited to tell him until after March Madness was over. She went through everything that she was going through with breast cancer for two months, especially with everything that transpired in January with the unfortunate murder that occurred and and to a and Brandon Miller sat there and and you know Dad said he really couldn't talk about the specifics of it today with Mr. Shaft but definitely still talked about the fact that what his mother is going through currently I mean you know these people have been through the ringer and it would have been so easy for a guy like Brandon Miller to say you know what I'm, I don't have to deal with this I'm just going to drop out of school and wait to be drafted. Now, it might have cost him a spot or two, but he would have still gone to uh, all the tryouts, and everybody still would have liked him. He still would have been drafted very highly. That's why I think Alabama fans really need to appreciate him and and just um, really get behind him because this is a guy that, that can really elevate your program even more. 
and I think he's a, a fantastic kid. I mean, there, there's unfair. He, some loose associate what went down that night <clears throat> to use the and it's unfair. It really weapon unfair to him. Um, that, that people use the terminology deeper into this than to paint such a broad brush. And um, Brandon Miller really is, is, boy, his reputation was a victim here, too. I obviously don't want to take anything away from the deceased and anything away from the tragedy. Uh, that That is awful. Couldn't feel any uh, worse for that young lady's family. But, um, you know, again, Brandon Miller took a lot of, uh, a lot of heat for something that, that he didn't deserve. And so for him to work through that, I mean, imagine if you were simply associated with, with killing somebody and, and you really had nothing to do with it for the most part, right? And people are going to always associate you with that, and, and they don't even want to hear your story. Nobody wants to hear the actual, what actually went down. They already have the narrative, and people made him out to be, you know, they just demonized him. And um, it's really unfair, and I understand a lot of times when something like this happens, you, you look for a villain, you look for somebody to take your anger out on, and it's typically the highest profile person that has any uh, semblance of an association with it. And that's, that's what people like to do is build you up and tear you down. Um, but I feel like Brandon Miller came through that with, with flying colors, essentially. I mean, he could have uh, still played at Alabama and let it affect him mentally. He could have just dropped out of school. He could have done a lot of things. But instead, I mean, he, he came out and was still in the regular player of the year. Uh, he, uh, he led his team to a championship, and I think the tournament and the regular season. And I think that's going to uh, mean a lot Former. at the next level. And I think people are really are you appreciate him. Well, I will HSAA finals basketball and football here in the state of Alabama. When you hear great stories about a former Mr. Basketball and a former Alabama Crimson Tide member becoming and making history at John Carroll Catholic High School, Ronald Steele becomes the new principal at John Carroll being the first black principal in the school's history. I know that he was exciting to watch in high school, was exciting to definitely to watch playing basketball at Alabama, but now having an opportunity to be John Carroll's, his alma mater's principal as well. Yeah, it's my wife's alma mater as well, uh, both John Carroll and I. He could not be any nicer. I mean, just I'm really a gentleman all the way around. I think that John Carroll, this is a perfect fit. He's going to go there, and he's going to uh, have a love for that uh, high school, and he's going to do the best he can to make it the best again. I mean, John Carroll has uh, been as athletically, I don't know what to say, successful as maybe they have in the past. Uh, I think he's going to do a lot of things to try and turn that around. And not only that, he's going to do it while making sure that academically the high school keeps its lofty standards. Uh, Ronald Steele is, is one of the great ones. And if you're making an all-time Alabama team, uh, there's a good chance he's going to be on it. Julian Sayan named MVP of the Elite 11 camp. What are the chances that, and we've <coughs> talked about this a lot, but what do you think the Go. chances are that he comes in and starts as a freshman next year? I mean, obviously, it goes without saying, a lot's going to be, I'm not trying to take anything away from Buckner or Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson or, or shoot Dylan Lonergan or, or Eli Holstein. I'm not trying to take anything away from those guys. Julian Sayan's got a different feel about him. I mean, the same kind of feel Bryce Young had, the same kind of feel Tua Tungabailoa had. Just, you know, just gifted from God, and not only that, a hard worker and a good kid. 
And when you have that combination, usually good things are going to happen. And I feel like Julian Fayne is, is that kind of player. Um, I, it wouldn't shock me if in the end he became the number one player in this class. I know Dylan Rayola for Georgia, and that's going to be pretty a disgusting team. A Buford Georgia team. They got KJ Bolden, Edric Houston, both five stars, and now you bring in Rayola at quarterback. I mean, that is just sick. Buford's going to be something special. But um, and and that also helps Georgia recruiting those two, and and his being in the state, you know, helps assure that he will be state committed to Georgia. But you know, I think Julian Sayan, um could take over this number one spot. His performance in the Elite Eleven was awesome. And I know it was no pads. I understand the, the, the parameters of this thing. At the same time, I think that you can see enough to understand how good this young man is. And, uh, you know, he had some jump passes and some, uh, you know, sort of going against his body type passes. And everybody likes to say, oh, okay, you know, big deal. But, you know, in today's age, I think you ha- people are cool with you making those passes now. Coaches are. But it used to be in the past. That, I mean, everybody had the Gene Stallings philosophy. Of, you know, two things can happen. One of them's positive. I mean, you can either complete it, it can be incomplete, or you can throw a pick. And that's the way he looked at passing, right? And that's how Alabama won a national championship with Jay Barker throwing for, what, about 17 yards in the national championship game. Um, but now you can't do that. You've got to have a quarterback. You can have a superstar quarterback and mediocre everything else and make serious noise. But you can have superstar everything else and a mediocre quarterback and lose four games. If the quarterback is the most, posi- most important position in sports now to me. And so uh, Nick Saban's recognized that, and I think that's why you know Alabama's had such a talented run of quarterbacks. He's focused on that a little bit more. Um, and when you go out there and you fight Julian Sayan, you get him early, you let Alabama. Still going to be you know fighting off suitors for Ryan Williams. And uh, so you, you want to have a quarterback that can get them the ball because these receivers are very, very gifted. And the more that uh, you get them the ball in open spaces, better it's going to look for them and the better it's going to look to NFL scouts. And so wide receivers are smart about that. They, they know where to go. They know who's got good quarterbacks. Well, we're speaking with Luke Robinson, and Luke got, got one more question for you here. Sterling Dixon Jr., here out of Mobile Christian, he shut down his recruitment and he's all in for Alabama after coming on his official visit this past weekend. But when you see on Father's Day Nick Saban play a little VR, get into the virtual reality now, showing us he can two step a little bit and shows us that he's into the virtual reality games as well and goes hard as a 71 year old. You got to love that out of Alabama's head coach. Yeah, I, I I don't even know what world I'm living in anymore. Nick Saban's taking trips to Italy uh, using virtual reality. Alabama's getting five stars out of North Carolina in basketball. I, I don't even know what's going on. It's it's a parallel universe right now. But uh, I'm enjoying it. It's a lot of fun. And I think you know the writer side of Nick Saban is, is one side that I think has always been there. He just has been very reluctant to let other people see it. I think Ms. Terry has always seen it. And that's why she's been sort of coy about it from time to time in the past. But now he's opening up a little bit more about some of this stuff. And uh, he's probably realizing, hey, I might have to do virtual reality instead of the electric slide. Yeah, I love it. Luke, how can Anywhere you get your podcast, we're on YouTube, Locked on Battle. We had a reaction show to Jaron Stevenson committing yesterday. We also did another show today where we talked about all the big-time visitors coming in this weekend, talked about Daniel Hill coming in from Mississippi, a couple of guys coming in from California. And uh, Jimmy Stein is my co-host of Mobile and Interlet.
internet legend. So uh, anywhere you get your podcast and on YouTube, just Locked On Bama. Luke, thank you so much. Roll Tide Roll, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right, guys, roll Tide. Luke Robinson joining us for the Tide and Tiger Report this afternoon. And coming up next, making his debut on WNSP 105.5. Hi, this is Phil Steele, and you're listening to WNSP 105. Welcome back to the Tide and Tiger Report. Call now at 694-1055 or take part on the WNSP app. Once again, Corey and Michael. Welcome back to the final drive. Tide and Tiger Report here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you this Thursday evening as the red carpet has been rolled out at the NBA draft, Brandon Miller on the big stage has one of the his suits. And, and what I like to do is he draft, give an evaluation of, of Brad suits and, and what the guys will wear at the NBA draft versus what was for the NFL draft to see because that sports suits or carpet, the red carpet for our next guest here on the Tide and Tiger Report making his debut, Cole Pinkston. He's with Auburn Recruiting and Football Analyst for On 3 Sports and Auburn Live on 3. And can't thank Cole enough for joining us. Cole, how are you doing, my friend? Man, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Man, absolutely too blessed to be stressed and just excited <laughs> that we're getting closer to SEC media days and all and back to fall practice has immediately injected a jolt into this Auburn program. And where it's going to start is with the recruiting process, first and foremost, of high school athletes, of course, the transfer portal and Hugh Freeze hit the ground running and has a tremendous, experienced, and seasoned quarterback coming back starting for the Auburn Tigers. Yeah, you, you know, they, they got a guy that started several games, a guy that's thrown for uh, plenty of yards and knows what he's doing uh, as a quarterback. And I'm sure that'll be the guy, you know. Don't think he was brought in to, to sit and watch. I think he was brought in to be the starter. He's got to earn it, but... Uh, Peyton Thorne from Michigan State, man. I think he's, you know, I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a solid, a lot of game manager type guy. Not gonna wow you with his athleticism. Not gonna wow you with a huge arm, but gets a lot of things done and does a lot of things right. And uh, wow, a lot of people is when you have high-profile recruits come on to campus for the official visit. One being. Perry Uno Thompson from right down here at Foley High School. He's a verbal commit to Alabama, but boy, oh boy, did Auburn roll out the red carpet for him on his official visit to the Plains. And he much so that he said Alabama and Auburn now are 50-50 in regards to the recruiting cycle. Yeah, he did. He did. I was standing there when he said that. Neck and neck, I think, is the term he used. Uh, we've known that. We've known that Auburn was right there for a little while. Uh, here's, here's the thing. Is Auburn going to be able to flip him? I don't know. I can't answer that question. That's going to be, you know, Hugh Freeze clicks about flipping the script all the time, taking what, what's been at Auburn the past couple of years and, and completely changing that. And he wants to do it right now. Well, I, Auburn, maybe he can on the field, but in recruiting him. At the same time, Auburn's got a shot here. Uh, I don't, I don't want to rule out Auburn and, 
I'm only going off of past experience and seeing how Alabama has been able to secure these guys when they have them committed and failed attempts from Auburn to flip guys. But it seems like if there was a chance to get somebody, Perry Thompson would be the guy. And uh, we'll find out pretty soon because he wants to wrap things up. He wants to have, and I'm doing air quotes, a final uh, decision here in July more than likely. So I think Auburn's okay right now, but they're going to have to hold on. Uh, if they have a lead at all, they're going to have to hold on to it until he makes his final decision. Carl Auburn able to land Joseph Phillips over Georgia in a decision that really came as a surprise. It seemed like Georgia thought he was a lock to uh, to end up at, uh, playing for Kirby Smart. What were your thoughts and what was your level of surprise on that one? Well, first of all, Joe Phillips, that's a guy that we've been tracking. Didn't have any offers. And it wasn't but a week or two later, and he was getting offers from Clemson, Texas A&M, Tennessee, Auburn, Georgia, Bama. So this guy blew up out of nowhere, and if you watch his tape, you can understand why. He's just one of those freaky athletes. He can do a lot of different things. I don't even think he knows how athletic he is at this point. Uh, But that's why Georgia liked him. That's why Georgia put the full-court press on him and said, you know, this is the kind of guy, this kind of athlete we've been winning with over the past couple years. Uh but, you know, he is 15 minutes down the road from Auburn, and if you let a guy like that get away, especially to a rival like Georgia, it's just not a good look, number one. Number two, you know, it does not help you at all in, in your constant battle and trying to beat Georgia and Bama and Austria schools. So they right at the end and kept him home. Well, it's not only about this young man that they're able to get from Booker T. Washington and Joseph Phillips. It's definitely a step in the right direction from Hugh Freeze. And it definitely, again, starts with that recruiting process. And Hugh Freeze and, and his staff are, are trying to, to do what Nick Saban has been able to accomplish, and that's close the doors around the state of Alabama. But, again, build a great rapport with high school coaches. And that's where it's going to start because here in Mobile, Alabama, High school football, and really across the state of Alabama, it just means more. That starts with your collegiate county path going on to the NFL, but the relationships. What's been the difference with Hugh Freeze and him building relationships with high school coaches? Well, I think I think effort, number one, it's just been a, an all-out staff effort to, to build those relationships and know how important it is to win your state. And look at Alabama, you know, they've, like you said, they put a lockdown on the state. Uh, the top ten players usually don't get out of the reach of Alabama, and that's why they're winning. They're keeping guys that are passionate about Alabama football at home. Well, there's a lot of guys in the state that are passionate about Auburn, and they can be passionate about Auburn. If, if you can get them away from Alabama or get them from leaving the state and going to Georgia, Clemson, like they have been in past years. So they're working from inside out, basically. When they went on the road back in, in relationships, they started in the state of Alabama. Each coach went to high schools in the state of Alabama. They went out to the country, different places, Georgia, Florida, uh, Louisiana, you know, all the states surrounding, and then ended back in the state of Alabama, visited some of the same people again, and said, look, there's a reason why we wanted to stop by more than once. You are the priorities here. So I think that's been good. I mean, you haven't been been – in charge very long if you're Hugh Freeze and his staff, but so far so good, man. They're on the right track. Coach Freeze dipping down to about what Auburn fans can expect out of Bryce Kane. 
Yeah, man, Bryce Kane, that's that's sort of an under-the-radar guy right now, a three-star guy, and really the reason is because he hasn't played football all that long. He's the baseball guy. Uh, got into football big time last year as a junior, and he really showed out. He's, he's a deep threat, a guy with, you know, tons of speed. I watched him in person at Auburn's camp run a 4-3, uh, and he did it more than once, and I was, you know, they kept checking the clock, but it was right. So that's a guy with a lot of speed. Not a big guy, but, you know, today's game is about speed. It doesn't really matter what your size is as a receiver. Um, that's a guy that, honestly, you know, he's the type of receiver we've seen at Alabama. We've seen at places just because they could beat the coverage, getting over the top and win those battles. Great. I just really like Bryce Kane. I think he's got a lot to his game, and I think he hadn't even scratched the surface yet. Well, that's great to hear. If you're a Baker Hornet fan, and even if you that is speed for sure. I mean, that's that's natural. That's a God-given ability to where you can take and utilize and hone that skill, which I know he will be able to do when he arrives on the planes to continue his playing career. But some of the official visits that have come down the pipe here as we get ready to end June, it's so very important because June is that opportunity where all these coaches have seven on seven on their campuses they have individual team camps they also have their individual skills position camps and then july kind of quiets down as they get ready to prepare for what is coming without a ball practice after sc still trying to get come to campus and be a part of the hugh freeze era well uh they're gonna. They're, they've pretty much wrapped up official official visits for June. Uh, as soon as July hits, that's dead period, meaning you can't have recruits on campus. Uh, coaches cannot go see recruits. Of course, they can still work the phones, but visits are not happening during July until July 24th or 26th, something like that. So, Auburn's pretty much wrapped it up here. They they've had just about every top target on campus for official visits. That includes, you know, Alabama commit Perry Thompson, Alabama commit. Uh, five-star game, Jalen Mbakwe. Uh, under several offensive linemen they had in last weekend, they had a guy from Hawaii there. That, I mean, the list goes on. So many guys, and, and it seems like the big thing with the official visits, every time a guy left from his official visit from Auburn, it seemed like Auburn had really boosted their chances with that guy. And that includes Perry Thompson. That includes Jalen Mbakwe and five-star receiver Cam Coleman from Central Phoenix City. Uh, like I said, the list goes on, but all of those guys have come in for official visits. You'll have some that are going to wait till the fall. They want to do it during a game weekend, which is understandable. Uh, but uh, pretty much, I think everything's pretty quiet right now, uh, heading into the dead period for Auburn, other than a few unofficial visitors that are sprinkling in here. And, and I really think that Auburn fans can be fishing, and we're speaking with Cole Pinkston, who is really into all recruiting and football. And I let the skipper on three sports and all down to five on three. And, you know, Cole here at Alabama to where he went seven and six and even had a home loss to Louisiana Monroe. Patience is definitely having to be a virtue. But if Hugh Freeze can get out of the shoots early and go to the left coast and defeat California and then come back and get ready and prepare for that first SEC game against Texas A&M on the road, well, what do you look at from a successful? Is there a win total that you would give for Auburn moving forward into Hugh Freeze's second year? Well, I think I think most experts have have narrowed it down and given 
then that would mean Auburn is beating somebody they're not expected to beat. Um, maybe an LSU, maybe an A&M, maybe, you know, an Alabama, Georgia, somebody of that caliber. They got to win some of those games, number, number one. Basically, if you can win one of those toss-up games, and I'm, for the record, I'm not calling Alabama or Georgia toss-up games. Right now they are heavily favored, and they should be. Uh, but when you get to, you know, LSU, you get to A&M, you get to Ole Miss, those are toss-up games where it's really tough to call, uh, and it may be even tougher to call when we get to that point. You got to win one or two of those games, and when you do that, and if you take care of business in the games you're supposed to, you'll end up with a, a, a winning record in your first year as head coach. And, and that would be Auburn getting the opportunity to not only be in just a six-win bowl game, but you're finding a way to get to seven or eight. I think that that's the way that you overwhelmingly want to be. And for Hugh Freeze. Depth is is so important. Is there a particular position that Auburn does have to where we knew at O-line this year, we knew at quarterback, outside of that and addressing that this year, moving forward in 24 and 25, what other positions can Auburn strengthen up? Well, you know, when Hugh Freeze stepped in, there really wasn't every single position looked like it needed some help, if we're being honest. Quarterback. Really running back, I think you're okay. Receiver needed help. Offensive line needed help. Defensive line needed help. Linebacker, you could pretty much go through the whole roster and, and see the holes. Uh, but 20 transfer portal pickups, man, he, he really shored up a lot of things doing that. Not only did he get guys uh, from the portal, he got guys that were starting other places. I, I can't really go through the list of guys that he brought in and say this guy was not um, anything where he came from. They were starting or played a key um, and several SEC, a lot of, a lot of receivers won. Offensive line, I think, is going to be so so much improved. And if you followed Auburn, you know that's been a problem in the past few years, especially with the recruiting. And of course, that's that's the product you get on the field when you don't recruit well. So, uh, if there's a position right now I'm watching that you know may may be an issue for Auburn this season, I'm looking at the secondary now. Auburn's got three guys that could go pro in the secondary this coming year. DJ James, Scott, M.I. Pritchett, um, Simpson, you, you guys, uh, Keontae Scott, several guys like that are really good players. But they don't have running right behind them. They have young guys Cole coming in. So that appreciate a little bit concerning right now if you're an average of the Auburn Tigers. AuburnLiveOn3.com. Yeah, you need to you need to uh, be there and be on the corner message board. That's where the magic happens. Uh, I think you can get it for under seven dollars a month, man. Cole Pinkston, thank you so very much, and we look forward to making you a regular here on the Tide and Tiger Report. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Cole Pinkston joining us for the Tide and Tiger Report this afternoon here on the Final Drive. Hey, this is Ladarius Owens, former Auburn football player and current CFL player. You're listening.